One of the beloved Christmas traditions is the erecting of the Christmas creche or nativity scene. And here where the Advent wreath has been tonight, we get to unveil this beautiful scene that depicts a little bit of perhaps what it would have looked like on that that first Christmas. We really have St. Francis to thank for this tradition of the, the Christmas nativity. It was way back in the year 1223 that Francis loved the thought of Jesus becoming a little baby so much that he wanted to make it as lifelike as possible. So in 1223, in the little town of Greccio, Italy, he worked with one of the, the local farmers and got a bunch of animals together and a stable and created the, the first nativity. And it was a living nativity, as we would call it today, with animals and people and a little baby because St. Francis wanted to be able as much as possible to, to be there on that first Christmas night. Our little nativity scene here features the, the traditional figures of, of course, Jesus, the little baby in the manger, Mary and Joseph, the, the shepherds, but also two figures that I think don't get perhaps enough attention in our nativity scene. They are the two figures that St. Francis, when he was giving the direction as to how the nativity should be, he said it absolutely must have these two things. And it's not even Mary and Joseph. Rather, it's the ox and the donkey. True story. Now you might be asking, well, why? I mean, it's, it's nice to have the, the ox and the donkey, but we might be mistaken to think that, well, they're part of the nativity scene because, well, Jesus was born in a stable, and so there were probably barnyard animals, so how about an ox and a donkey? Not the real reason. In fact, Jesus probably was not born in any kind of a wooden stable sort of structure. I've, I've been to Bethlehem. I got to live there for a month in Bethlehem. Jesus was probably born in what we would call a cave. It was in the cave of the, the fields where the shepherds would, would bring the sheep in to give them protection. So probably wasn't a wooden stable, and there, there might not have even actually been an ox or a donkey there. So why this insistence by St. Francis? Well, it actually goes back to the very beginning of the book of the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. You can't really know the importance of the, the happy ending of the story if you, if you don't go to the beginning. Tonight we get a read from the prophet Isaiah and hear good news that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And that's joy for everyone. But it's, it's not quite enough if we don't know the beginning. So if you were to go to the very beginning of the prophet Isaiah, you would find the following verse. The ox knows its master and the donkey its owner's manger. But Israel does not know. My people does not understand. Hear that again. The ox knows its master, and the donkey knows its master's manger. Now, manger, we think, well, that's where we put the little baby Jesus. A manger is, is a feed trough. That's where they would put the, the food for the animals. So what Isaiah is saying is that even animals that we would consider to be somewhat dumb, not super smart, an ox and a donkey, they're smart enough to know where the food comes from. The ox knows who its master is. He knows who feeds him. 
The donkey knows its master's manger. They know where to go to get food. But then the accusation from God, he says, these animals are smarter than my own people because they know where the food is at. But my people have gone astray. They don't know who their master is and they don't know where the food is at. And so they're going all over the place and are lost and straying. That's why Francis wanted them in the manger because he wanted us to see that even these animals are smart enough to recognize the Christ child. They know where the food is at. They know their master and it's hidden in that little baby, but even the ox and the donkey are smart enough. I, I got a little bit of a, a real world taste of this recently. You know, Father Mark uh, has two cats, Derek and Madeline. And I, I suppose if Father Mark has two cats, I, I technically have two cats too, because that's kind of how it works. We live together. Um, now, when, when Father Mark and I first got here, he, he set up a little deal where in order for me to feel more a part of the cat life, I, I could take care of the cats kind of half time. I could feed them, even take care of their litter box. And that way I could feel like they're kind of my cats too. Well, the problem with this was because I was feeding Derek and Madeline, Derek especially loved at about five in the morning to come scratching at my door because he knows, oh, Father Sean might feed me. If I scratch on his door and meow at the top of my lungs loud enough, someone will get up and feed me. Well, eventually I decided that this was causing stress in the cats, that they're looking at me and they think I'm going to feed them. And what if I don't feed them because it's Father Mark's day. And for the sake of the health of the cats, I decided to opt out of feeding the cats. And so pretty soon they stopped paying attention to me because I'm not the guy who feeds them. They would see me walking in the hall and Madeline would literally just lie there on the step. I would squish her. She wasn't going to move because she knows I don't feed her. But when Father Mark gets up, like, ooh, they run downstairs and they know they're going to get fed. This, this all came back to me because Father Mark went on vacation a little while ago. He was gone for a whole week and he asked if I would take care of Derek and Madeline. I did. After one day, I'm my door. Feed me. And so I would go and I'd feed them. And pretty soon they realized, this guy's the one who feeds us. And so every time I would walk around the rectory, they'd be like following me. If I started to head towards the basement to do laundry, it's like running down because like, oh, they're gonna feed me, even though they've got food. These cats are smart enough to know who feeds them. And I'm, I'm happy that it is now Father Mark who feeds them and, and not me. Although they're nice cats, I, I like them, but they know I don't feed them, but Father Mark does. Like Isaiah, I wonder if we can be at least as smart as Derek and Madeline to know who feeds us. Where is the food at? Today we celebrate that God knew that we struggle so much to find where the food is at that he actually decided to come in person into this world to be our, our shepherd, as he tells us. And what do shepherds do? Well, they, they lead the dumb sheep out to where the food is at. He says, I will lead them to green pastures. I will give them food. Brothers and sisters, I think perhaps more than ever today, we have forgotten that God is the one who feeds us. Like Isaiah had to chastise Israel, my people 
do not know me, they don't understand. I think uh, in many ways the same could be said of us today. Do we really turn to God for our greatest needs, our greatest hungers? I think not. I, I think at least for most of society, we will run around trying to find food just about everywhere. Facebook, the internet, TV, shopping, material stuff. Maybe if I get more power, then I'll feel satisfied. Maybe if I get more stuff, then I'll feel satisfied. If I, what if I just, I do more things, then maybe I'll, I'll satisfy this hunger. And we're just running around ragged, trying to, to fill this hunger that is deep inside of us. And none of that will satisfy us. We're like Isaiah's accusation. We don't know our master and we don't know where the food is at. And we'll try anything and it's not working. But you're, you're here tonight in this church. And some of you probably are here because that's what you do on Christmas. Some of you are probably here because someone made you be here. I see that. Kids are nodding. Yes, I want to go home. Whatever got you here, I would suggest that this, this is what you're looking for. It, it may not seem like it. It's just, it's just a, a building in the middle of Kansas City, Kansas. It's got nice decorations. It's, it's nice. Mass is beautiful. There's nice music. There's really great preaching. You know, there's, there's all that. Sure. But that's, that's not why this is what you're looking for. Because there are people celebrating Christmas tonight in a, a shack. There are people celebrating mass in prison, in hiding. What you're looking for here is not anything. And that's the secret. What you are looking for is a somebody, and that somebody is God. God desires to fill all of your, your hungers because he put them there. God wants you to desire. It's not the goal of life to get rid of our passions, to shut down our desires and our wants. God says, you got passion, you got desires, good. I put them there. But God gave us our passions so that we would eventually find our way to him. Derek and Madeline get hungry enough and eventually they will meow and bust down my door until I feed them. Are we willing to at least beg God for the grace that we need, for the happiness that we desire, for the fulfillment that we're all looking for? Are we willing to scratch and meow as it were at God's door saying, help, feed me. I'm hungry. I've got all these desires and they're not being fulfilled. God, you put them in there. Help me. Know it or, or not, I think uh, we're here tonight, number one, because the Holy Spirit led us here. It's not a coincidence. Even if you were dragged here against your will, or you're like, well, this is just the one time I go a year because it's Christmas. It's not a coincidence that you're here. This is God giving you a little taste to say, try this, just, just try this. It's, it's not flashy, it's not, a, it's not sugar, it's not a quick sugar rush that hits you and like, wow, that's great, and then it, it dies. And no, this is, this is like solid, good, nutritious food. Isn't it beautiful that when our God came among us, he came and lay in a, a feed trough at his birth as if to say, I, I'm the food you're looking for. And then when he left this world after his ascension, what did he leave us for his ongoing presence? 
food, the Eucharist, the bread of life. The catch is that it it doesn't look like it's all that attractive. It doesn't look like a a flashy candy bar or an all-you-can-eat buffet. It looks like just a little piece of bread, but Jesus knew this is the food. This is not just any food. This is actually Jesus. We talk about the the ox and the, the donkey not knowing. Isaiah says, my people do not know. Sadly, the the surveys today, if they're to believe, tell us that amongst those Catholics who actually go to Mass, so not even just the fallen away Catholics, Catholics that actually go to Mass, as many as 70% do not know that the Eucharist is really Jesus. Here, Isaiah again, my people do not know. Of course the Eucharist is Jesus, but people do not know. You're you're here tonight as a a chance to know where the food is at. The Eucharist works. If you're in a state of grace, it doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter if if it makes you warm and fuzzy. It doesn't matter. It's Jesus, and it's the answer to all your desires. Every hunger you have God desires to fill, and how beautiful then that the way he chooses to give himself is under the appearance of food, bread, wine, that truly become God. So tonight, as we gather to recall 2,000 years ago when God became a a little baby, let's remember as we look at our our Christmas manger scenes, the two indispensable figures for St. Francis, the ox, and the donkey. And as you look at them, notice that they're adoring Christ the Lord. Two beasts, two dumb animals. They recognize Jesus. They recognize where the food is at. Will you? Will you be at least as smart as the ox, the donkey, smarter than two cats, Derek and Madeline? Do you know where the food is at. God says, come to my table. All is prepared. That's what Christmas is all about. Tonight, we know where the food is at.